0: God, even as we sing that as a prayer, we realize to turn our eyes toward Jesus is to turn them away from something else. And Lord, you know what a struggle that is at times for us to turn away from those things that would draw us from your presence and instead turn toward Jesus so that these things could grow dim in the light of your glory and your grace. So God, as we come to you this morning, thank you for the songs that have opened our hearts and now, Lord, for your word that will pour its truth into those hearts. May we be ready to hear from you from your word that you've preserved for us. That we could go from this place changed, more like the men and women you're designing us and forming us to be. Take away the distractions and the clutter, Lord. Help us to focus on you, please. Speak, God. Your children are listening, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I release the kids through grade four. They're headed out across the parking lot, and the class that's ready for them out there, so that's kind of exciting. It's really amazing that ever since the Lord, by his grace, allowed us to open up post-COVID here, and, and that each Sunday has been just glorious outside, so it's really kind of amazing that way. I wonder um, in your life if you have some of those pinch me moments, you know? They're just those moments where it's just so cool. You're like, oh, somebody pinch me because I can't just believe this is true. And, and uh, so those moments that come to us, and, and I think if we, if we consider those moments, those are probably the moments that we think, I can't believe I get to do this. Have you ever had that in your life where you're like, I can't believe I get to do this. I, I, I get to be here at this moment in time. You know, it's like when I, when I stood there and, 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 and Karen said, I do. And I said, I can't believe I get to be here. You know, and, and it's that moment when you're just like, whew. And maybe you've had those in your life too. I think what's amazing is as we look at this whole letter of 1 Peter, what he's trying to express is that we get to do this. We get to do this. We are free to follow Jesus. We are free to do that which, which God has empowered us to do. We get to do this. And I think many times because of, oh, who knows what, we can forget that. And we can think of this, this idea of Christianity as things that we've got to do instead of things that we get to do. And if you've heard me enough times, you know this is a repeat, but the way I get this wrapped around in my mind is you know, if Karen should come to me at noon on a Saturday and say, I need you to go to Walmart, I have a choice. I can think I gotta go to Walmart or I can think I get to go to Walmart. Same thing, either way, I'm going to Walmart She could have asked anybody, but she asked me. Nobody else did she ask me. She's, I'm the only one. I get to do this. And as you think about that, as it relates to your walk with Jesus, and it relates to what it means to follow him, these things that he asks us to do, that he he longs for us to do, these aren't things that we got to do. These are things we get to do because of the freedom we have in Christ. And so I want us to think about that a little bit because we've been talking about what does it mean to live free. And this is our fourth week we're talking about freedoms. And it's because this this part of First Peter, and I hope you're finding some time during the week to either read or listen to the whole letter of First Peter, Because as we do this in little segments, if we're not careful, we can miss how it ties together as a whole. And so as we start in in verse 11, and even in verse 9, it kind of leads into this section that's going to go all the way through chapter 4, verse 11. And if you look at your your copy of God's word, you're going to see the last word in chapter 4, verse 11 is amen. Okay, so that's how we know we're coming to an end of a section there. But but as we look at it, we've been focusing on the fact that in, in 1 Peter two nine, which I really think is is part of the key to this whole letter, why he wrote it, um, because he was writing to people who were living in times of distress. There, there was persecution that they were experiencing just because they claimed the name of Jesus. And so in, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, so you have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. You've been called from the darkness of sin and despair and defeat and, and, and anxiety and all of those things. You've been called from that darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've come to a point where you've turned from your sin, you've repented, And you've turned toward God, if you've come to a place where you've confessed your sins, you've asked God to forgive you and and trusted him to be your savior, then you've come out of darkness into marvelous light, the marvelous light of Christ, for one reason, so that you can proclaim his excellencies, declare his beauty. So how can we, as we step into the light, proclaim the excellencies of God or declare the beauty of the Lord? And then in in 11 and 12, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. And as we looked at this, we said, this beloved means dearly loved, that you who have been brought into the light are dearly loved by God. He loves you dearly. And because of that... Peter says, because you're so loved, I urge you, I urge you to consider some things that that you abstain from the passions of your flesh. And we gave out these little army guys because those passions of your flesh just keep coming and coming and coming. And they're like these soldiers that come against you. And so you're supposed to, by God's grace, abstain from those things. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you, not if, when, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. So there's this beautiful power that comes from knowing you're dearly loved by God. You've been brought into the light, and you're able to proclaim his excellencies. And he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up from evil, but living as servants of God. You are free. Once, once you come to know Christ, the ransom has been paid. The ransom has been paid, and you've been delivered from sin. You are now free. Prior to that point, Romans 6, it tells us that you're slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. You have no choice. All you can do is sin. But once God in miraculously brings you into new life... You're free from sin. You are set free from that. You're not set free from sin so you can sin. You're set free from sin so that you can choose not to sin. Before you meet Christ, you don't have a choice. After you meet Christ, you do. You're free. And you can be free to choose to follow Him. You get to do this. And as you get to do this, He says, don't waste it, is more or less what He's saying. Don't use your freedom to go back and live the way you were. Use your freedom to live in the new life that you've been given. And in many ways, as we look at this, we can think of this, and Peter's not talking about America at this point in time, but also how are we using the freedom we have in our country to declare the truth of who Jesus is? Are you living, using your freedom as a cover-up for evil? In any way, we get to make Jesus known. That's what we're going to see in the text today. We get to make Jesus known. We're free to do that. We're free because of our relationship with God to make Jesus known. And that's why we come here We come so that we can know Christ as much as possible. The reason we bring our Bibles, the reason we look at the Bibles, the reason we go through the Bible verse by verse is so that we can know the truth of what God has for us. And as we know the truth, we come to know Christ. Not just know about him, but know him, and know him intimately, and expose ourselves to him so he can know us intimately. And we come to know him so that we look more and more like him so that when we go out in the world, we make him known. And that's what Peter's going to talk about in this passage, is that we get to do this. And the first thing he says is we get to bless others. If we're going to use our freedom to make Jesus known, one of the main ways we do that is by blessing others. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. On the contrary, bless. See, it makes sense, doesn't it? When you get, when you get spoken of evil, you ever get anybody who gets on you? Anybody ever get on you before? You know, And you're like, oh man, this guy's really getting on me. I think I'll bless him. How many of you work in customer service, right? You get to bless people all the time, don't you? See, it's important because we talked about the Chuck Cervenko autonomy zone, right? And we all have that. And so once something comes against my autonomy zone, if I'm not careful, I'm looking to defend that autonomy zone. I'm looking to defend myself because at the core of who I am in my sinful nature, I'm the center of the universe. And so I need to protect myself as the center of the universe. And if somebody should happen to come against the center of the universe, then I need to make sure I step... And I'm not worried about blessing other people in my old self. But in my new self... I realize I'm just a servant of God. And so if somebody comes against me, I'm just like, how can I bless this person so that they can see that I know Jesus? How can they see that I've been with Jesus? How can they know that? And how can I bring blessing? Because I get to do this. I get to respond differently than someone who doesn't know Jesus. I get to reveal him. For this, you were called to this. Right, this, isn't, this isn't an option. You were called to this. And Peter five times looks at what does it mean to be called. Listen, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's not because you were stumbling along and thought, I think I'll go choose Jesus. It's because he called you. See, he's sovereign. And he called you to become one of his children. And as he called you to do this, he called you to do it so that you could bless other people. And that's why you've been called, is to reveal who he is. And we get to do this. Paul goes on to say, whoever desires to love life, he's quoting from Psalm 34. And there's a lot in this passage I'm not going to be able to get to today. But if you grab the diving in or you download it uh, from the website... The diving in, we'll go deeper into some of these things that you may have questions about. But Psalm 34 is an amazing psalm that talks about the suffering of God's people and the ultimate uh, deliverance that comes and the vindication that comes. And so Peter using this psalm is very significant as we look at where he puts it in the passage. Because he says, listen... Whoever desires to to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil to do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So whoever desires to love life, do you desire to love life? Jesus said the thief comes to to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, that you could have life to the full, abundant life, the life that you desire, and if you desire to see that life, then you need to do these things that you get to do in order to live this out, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the lord is against those who do evil now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for doing what is good so there's this idea that the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his face is against those who do evil a little later in peter he's going to say that god opposes the proud See, if you choose to live in your self-sufficiency, which is really another synonym for pride, as you choose to live in self-sufficiency, you place yourself in opposition to God, not plan A by any means. But it says the eyes of the Lord are on those who who are righteous. I think of my grandson, Grayson, Right? And and he'll he'll be doing something. He'll say, Watch, watch me, watch me, watch me. You know, and I say, No, I'm not gonna watch you. (laughs) No. Right, I watch him. I'm gonna see, this is gonna be good, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's a disaster. But you know, I mean that's the way life goes, right? But but as you look, he's he's looking for me to watch him. He's longing for me to watch me. He wants my eyes upon him. And see, that's what Peter, I think, is getting to as he quotes this psalm. The, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. It's, it's almost like I get to do these things. I get to make Jesus Lord, Lord as Lord, and I'm like, God, watch me. Watch me. I'm going to go make you known here, okay? I'm getting attacked by someone. I'm going to bless them. Watch this, God. All right? And his eyes are upon me. He's watching me. But I wonder how many times in my life am I like, Oh, I hope he's not watching me right now. Because I don't always act all that righteous. But see, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And there's an encouragement that comes from that. You know, like, like my grandson will jump like four steps if I'm watching him. Because there's an encouragement. You can do this. I'm going to catch you. You know, I'm, I'm there. We get to do these things. Who's there to harm you if you're zealous for doing what's good? Now, you know as well as I do, there's all sorts of people lined up to harm you for doing what's good. So if Peter isn't saying that if you do good, you're not going to face anything. It's like Paul in Romans. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So the idea here is not so much that you won't experience suffering, but listen, if you're zealous to do good, God's got you in his hand. And he's holding you, and he's sovereign over everything that's happening in your life. So even if you experience these things, he's got you. As you look at how you can bless others, we get to make Jesus known. We get to bless others. We get to be blessed ourselves. That's what's so cool about it. In God's economy, as soon as I start blessing others, all of a sudden I start getting blessed myself because you just find out that as you pour your as you pour your your understanding of Jesus into the life of another person they begin to get that you just get a blessing on yourself that you could never even possibly imagine. Peter says if even if you should suffer for righteousness sake suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed. Now that's kind of like it's like doesn't make sense if I'm going to suffer for righteousness sake what does that mean and what does it look like Jesus when he was on earth said blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we live in a fallen world this world we live in is a world that's been defiled by sin it's been defiled by sin and and every aspect of this world has been touched by sin and so it's not the way that God initially designed it to be it's been tainted and because of that if you live according to what's righteous you you're going to suffer There's suffering in this world. In in the next chapter, Peter's going to say, don't be surprised by the painful trials you're experiencing as though something strange is happening to you. Isn't that an encouraging verse? Don't be surprised by these things, but realize that you're blessed because you have the kingdom of heaven. Acts chapter 5 talks about this, and Peter... Maybe he was thinking about this as he wrote this verse. Because in Acts chapter 5, the disciples had been preaching and they got thrown into prison. And they got thrown into prison and in the middle of the night, an angel came and released them and let them go from prison. Nobody knew about it. So the next day, the council sent for Peter and the apostles and said, bring them over here. And they went to the jail and they weren't anywhere to be found. And he said, where are these guys? And somebody said, well, look, they're out in the courtyard preaching, just what they were told not to do. But the angel told them to do it. So they brought them in, tried them, and said, you've got to stop this. They said, we're not going to stop it. And they said, well, you're going to stop it. And they beat them, and they let them go. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They got beaten, and it was like, I can't believe that we got to get beaten. We get to be beaten for the Lord, is what they're saying. This is one of their pinch-me moments. One of the highlights of their ministry was that they got, they got to suffer. Now, that's, that's counter for us, isn't it? As soon as we start suffering, what do we do? We look for a way to relieve the suffering. I threw my back out last week. It was like, oh, man. I did everything I could to eliminate that suffering in my back. Right, And it's like that for every part of our lives, isn't it? When we start to suffer, the first thing we want to do is, how can I get away from this? Not very often do we think, I get to do this. I get to suffer so that I can make Jesus known. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Oh, boy. If if you're having someone who's bringing persecution to you, how do you not fear them? Luke chapter 12 and verse 4. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him whom, after he is killed, has authority to cast you into hell. There is a fate worse than death. And that faith is eternity separated from God in a place called hell, a place where every person who chooses not to turn to God will be for all eternity. And that's far greater of something to be feared than what may happen to my body here on earth. But in your hearts, honor the Lord. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Now this word for holy there is the same word that Jesus uses in his prayer example. When the disciples come and say, teach us how to pray. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's this word in the original language. So he says, in your hearts, honor, value. Raise Christ up to the standard where he's considered hallowed, holy, separate, almighty, that that all is about him see if i 'm going to suffer and, and going to make Jesus known it 's going to be as I subject myself to His ultimate authority and my recognition that he 's so far more than anything I could imagine, and yet he knows me enough to be intimately in my life. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that 's in you. Always prepared. Okay, so the, the minute the minute to try to, to express what Jesus means to you is not when someone says to you, What does Jesus mean to you? Okay, the time is to prepare yourself ahead of time. Prepare yourself ahead of time so that if anyone should ask you for the reason for your hope. So when you start blessing this person who's coming against you, and they say, What's your gig? Yeah. I just want to be nice to you, I, you know, it's like Jesus, you know, and right, you're like, man, how, how could I not bless you, I have been so blessed by Jesus, Jesus has blessed me, he's poured his life into me, he's made me his child, the child of God, I am so blessed, there's no way I could do anything but bless you. So you, you got to be ready for that and to be ready for that means to get to a place where you know christ so much that that's true in your life charles spurgeon said this when you speak of heaven let your face light up and when you speak of hell well then your everyday face will do right i mean you got heaven what does that look like on your face Does it look like you just ate the sourest pickle you ever had in your life? See, we get to do this. We get to reveal who Christ is to a world that that has no idea because they're walking around blind and they're trapped in sin and, and they don't have any choice and we've been brought out of that darkness into the marvelous light so that we can proclaim who he is with faces that are lit up. This world gets heavy, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but this world gets heavy. And it's not easy to keep my face lit up. But listen, I don't want my everyday face to be what people are asking me about. What's up with you? What's up with you? You got that, that face. So that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame for it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing evil see if you suffer for doing good that's by god's will and if god has determined that you need to suffer right now because of the good that you're doing in your life then you say i can't believe i get to do this i can't believe i'm free to en- to enjoy this moment because I know that it's ultimately serving a purpose for God. We get to make Jesus known. We get to bless others. We get to be blessed ourselves. And finally, we get to bless God. We get to bless God. Peter says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He might bring us to God. Luke chapter 15 What man of you, having a hundred sheep, I'm in verse 4 of Luke chapter 15, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together... He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost, just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Do you realize that moment that you came to a place where where God rescued you and brought you out of darkness into marvelous light, that there was great rejoicing in heaven? I mean, think about that. Think, think about what a blessing it is to God when one of those that he designed and created and formed in the womb and brought to life and put breath into and brought that, brought that person to life and that person chose sin but then all by God's grace came to a place where they recognized their sin and they turned from the sin and they said, God, would you please accept me as your child? And God is blessed by that. We get to bless God. And and Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Listen, how can you do anything more than praise God for the fact that he brought you out of that darkness into light? We've each been in that darkness. Is it an enjoyable place? Is that a life of abundance? And yet it draws us back in, doesn't it? Being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit, Jesus, which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. This is one of the toughest passages in Scripture. It's a passage that that there's no real consensus completely on what it means. It may mean that Jesus, in the Spirit, spoke through Noah to those people who are going to die in the flood. It may mean that Jesus, after his death, went and spoke to the angels, who some believe are the sons of men in chapter 6 of Genesis, and this is all complex, and it takes us off on a rabbit trail, if you want to look at that, grab the diving in, and I, I'll, I'll help you get into that. But right now, what we want to see in here is that that Jesus will vindicate us. There will be vindication if you suffer trials, and that's what he wants the, the readers of 1 Peter to understand. If you choose to say, I will suffer for Jesus, that there is a day when there will be vindication. These eight in the ark were brought safely through the water of judgment, and baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism, you see, Peter is letting us see, is what is what the ark represented. So in the ark, there were the waters of judgment, Right? The waters of judgment came over the earth. And everyone on earth was put to death because of sin, except for eight people who were saved through the ark. And baptism allows us to, to have a, an image of that. The water represents the waters of judgment that my sin has earned. My sin has earned death. My sin has earned the same judgment as those who sinned in the time of, of, of Noah. Noah. And so when in baptism we are put into the water, it represents that we've been put to death in the judgment waters. Our sin has been put to death. And then because of Jesus and his resurrection, the pastor doesn't leave you under the water. He pulls you out again. Romans 6. Because we've died with Christ, but we've been raised with Christ again, and so we've got this resurrection that comes to us, and we are no longer slaves to sin, but we're set free. Romans 6. And so we come to life. And baptism represents that. Peter's able to use this at the time of the letter, because at the time of the letter, there was no such thing as an unbaptized believer. A person would come to a saving knowledge of Christ and say, Where's the water? Okay, and so what, what that means for us is that this is an important aspect of our walk with the Lord, is to come to a saving faith in Christ and then say, where's the water? And be baptized and have this as an outward sign of the inward reality. It's not that baptism saves you. Your inner conscience, that good conscience that comes that new nature is what saves you. Baptism is an outward expression of that. So if you've come to a point where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you get to be baptized. And if you've never done that because you thought it was something you had to do, let me tell you, it's something you get to do. And if you haven't done it, there's a brochure on the Welcome Center, it just so happens, and we have a a baptism service on August 16th. I'd encourage you, if you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, come and, and experience what happens when you have an outward expression of what truly happened in your heart when you met Jesus. Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. This is who we get to serve. We get to serve God. Rather than serving sin, we serve Jesus. We have been set free so that we can choose to serve because everything has been subjected to him. So as we look at these past four weeks, this this freedom that we have, freedom to subject ourselves to to our masters, freedom to subject ourselves to the government, freedom to subject ourselves to our spouse, all of these things happen because as we subject ourselves to the authority over us, we recognize that the authority over the authority of us is Jesus, and we're entrusting ourselves to him, confident that if there were any better way for God to be working out his purposes in your life, he would would be doing it. We are confident that if there were any better way for God to be working out his purposes in your life, he would be doing it. And we get to be a part of that. So God, I thank you for that. Even as we stop to think of what does it mean that we get to serve you, that we get to do what it is that you have said for us to do. Lord, how can we purposely seek to bless you and others? And how can we see that our freedom means we get to do it, not that we have to do it? Turn our eyes toward you, Jesus. Turn them away from the things of the world and turn them toward you that we could see the beauty of who you are so we could know you so we could make you known. All for your glory, and in your name we pray.